Well, I want to tell you, last week was a little disheartening for me, because I love Sunday, I love church, and, um, and uh, I, I'm a creature of habit. So when we miss a Sunday because of weather, and we've, we've plowed through a couple Sundays where it was kind of questionable, and last week, uh, who knows, we probably could have made it, but uh, yeah, it was tough. I mean, I, I honestly can say I've never had a job that I dislike snow days, but uh, but. Uh, Anyway, I hope you guys took some, some time last week, stayed warm, stayed healthy and safe, and, and still spent a little time with the Lord, because uh, Sunday is His day. But this morning, my message is titled, Know the Difference. And in preparation for this week's message, I look back at a message I delivered 80 weeks ago. I didn't realize it had been that long, but 80 weeks, I mean, that's hard to imagine it had been that long. And it was just the third message I delivered here at Golden Beach, and it was titled, Truth and Meaning in the Word. And we looked at the biblical meaning of terms like hope and faith and love and grace. And we discovered that the world had corrupted the meaning somewhat. And corruption's a bit of a harsh word. Let's just say that the meanings had blurred or somewhat become ambiguous. For example, we found that now we can say hope casually to mean something like we want it to happen. Like, I hope the Royals have a good season this year. Or, I hope we are done with snow. Can I get an amen, church? <laughs> hope. You know, we, we commonly use it to mean wish. As such, its strength comes from the strength of a person's desire. The more you wish for something, the more you want it, the more hope you have. So I really, really hope we're done with snow. Amen. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> but in the Bible, hope is used to mean the confident expectation of what God has promised. Real hope its strength comes from his faithfulness. As such, we can honestly say and believe that God's, because God is in control, I have hope for a good outcome. That's the reason we pray, because we have hope that he will deliver his promise. And that means I can have a hope for a good day at work, or I can have a hope for traffic that isn't too bad, but I can find actual peace and comfort in the hope that God is in control of all things and he can use them for his good purposes. And there's a subtle clue that reveals a major difference in the meanings, and you probably picked it up. That simple clue is the word a uh, instead of the. Looking back at our scripture, remember from John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and the Father. So why is a simple difference of a single word so important? Let's watch this example and see if we think it matters. For a second? Yeah. Well, actually, it looks and look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the big tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to go out first? Stay in your lane, bro. Just okay? It's not okay. Especially <laughs> that commercial cracks me up a little bit, but did you catch that? The guy's nervously getting there his first tattoo, and the man with the needle gun tells him, relax, I am one of the tattoo artists in town. In an attempt to get some reassurance, the customer says, don't you mean one of the best? It's like, sure, okay. <laughs> Tattoos are generally permanent, but relatively insignificant in the grand scheme of things, so how much more is important that we know that there's a difference between a way, a truth, 
and a life, and then what we know Jesus to be, which is the way, the truth, the life, the best of these things. So let's start by looking at the context of Jesus' statement, and then we will take a few minutes this morning to dive a little deeper into what the Bible continues to say about this difference. Now, the scene is one which I believe you're familiar with, and to set the stage, we need to step back to John 13. And this is the event that we looked at the last time we gathered in here, and we studied the importance of serving others. In this passage, we saw Jesus stand up from the table where he and the disciples were seated for what would be known as the Last Supper. Now, Jesus is now fully aware of who he is and why he is here. Scripture tells it this way. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. We celebrate and uniquely connect to God through the reenactment of this Last Supper. We call it our time of communion. And it's a time rich with tradition and symbolism from which we may also take away many scriptural lessons. We should never stop taking advantage of the special opportunity or let up focusing on the intimacy and our close connection with God during this time. And this is why we'll be taking communion this week, even though we typically do it on the first Sunday of the month. It's just too important to miss last week. But there are a few other lessons taught that are worth noting. See, Jesus had shared an important message and example, and not the least of these is the importance of following your words with deeds, putting your faith into action. And that is exactly what he did. It was as if he said, humble yourself and lead by serving. Here, watch and do it like this. And after washing his followers' feet, he returned to his place at the table with the disciples, and the teaching continued. So we're still in John 13, but let's pick up at verse 33. He says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. But this, everyone will, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Three times he says the phrase, love one another. That must mean it's pretty important. And we're familiar with this new commandment to love one another, but you know this was said during the Last Supper? That's when it was delivered? And what's more, it was right after Jesus dropped the news that he would be leaving them. A huge bomb. Imagine that they heard this new commandment. They were all smiling nicely. Yeah, let's love everyone. Let's be known for that. They will know we are Christians by our love. Now, they weren't known as Christians for, for till later in time, but that's where that comes from. But it didn't go unnoticed by Peter. He paused. He said, wait, what? What was that thing you just said? And Jesus probably said, you mean when I said you must love one another? He said, no, no, before the commandment thing. He caught that, that something was said. He was leaving him soon. No one could go where he goes. And scripture tells it this way. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Now, isn't this just like us? We want the information. We want our blessing now. So when Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? He said, I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And we know that Peter did just that. What a horrible revelation to Simon Peter. His faith had been rewarded with the blessing of a new name, Peter, which means rock. Jesus gave him this name and said his church will be built upon it. 
what an honor and what a blessing. But now he's being told that Jesus would be leaving him soon and his inquiry to whereabouts was met with, you can't go. And by the way, with your rock life faith, even with that, even you will deny me when the times get tough. I mean, that what a punch in the gut. What confusing and heartbreaking that must be. But still, there's a lesson to be learned. Haven't we all at some point in our life when times seemed tough or when things weren't going the way we wanted, denied knowing Christ? Well, my own response is, no, I would never, ever make such a denial. I love Jesus. I want to know him better, but I would never say I don't know him at all. And I'm sure that's what Peter said as well. But maybe you didn't, or maybe I didn't verbally or literally denounce his presence, but perhaps we didn't turn to him in our time of need. Perhaps we tried to take control of the situation ourselves without enlisting the help or guidance of the only one that could truly make a difference. Anyone done that? I have, and probably more recently than I'd like to admit. But isn't that denying Jesus? Ouch. Ouch. But after delivering this bomb of a message, Jesus knew that his words brought distress to his loyal disciples. And chapter 14 continues. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Now Thomas replied to this. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Church, are you ready for this? This is, this is the big one. This is when Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he explains, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Friends, Jesus is not a way to heaven. He is the way, the only way, and we need to know the difference. Scripture tells us that God's word is the truth. It also reveals that the word became flesh, Jesus is the personification, the embodiment of God's word. His teachings, his love, his promises, and eventually his grace all brought to life. The story of our Savior's life isn't just a historical fact. He isn't just a prophet. He is the truth, and we need to know the difference. John 3:16 and 17, we're familiar with this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you see? Jesus Christ didn't just live a life among us. 
He lived the life that set us free, and we need to know the difference. Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life. So I want to take a high-level and simplistic view of what differentiates Christianity from other religions. And if asked, would you be able to explain the difference? There are a lot of religions in the world. Some people dedicate their entire lives to the study of world religions. And we just devote our lives to the study of one, the one. And even when we believe we've grasped all the concepts, we will still continue to struggle with their application every day and in every situation. And that's a part of the reason that we're here this morning. But if we consider only the most prominent monotheistic religions, that is, they believe in one God, we're left with Muslim, Judaism, and Christianity. And despite the notion that there are important differences, there are a few similarities. Most notably, there is only one God. So is it possible that Muslims and Jews worship the same God we do? Go ahead and click the slide. So this is, this is kind of interesting. And if you say do Christians and Muslims worship the same God, it really depends. So if we look at Abraham as a reference point, one could say Christianity and Islam worship the same God. However, the two faiths disagree on the divinity of Jesus. In Judaism and Christianity, both worship the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Judaism denies that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel and the divine Son of God. So it could be argued there is only one God that we're worshiping the same God. Go ahead and flip to the next one. And there are some similarities. One God, we have a holy book, and there is a judgment day, although the practices are somewhat different. But there's some real key important differences. Let's go back to the other slide. Click forward if you would. One more. The other way, sorry. There we go. So is it possible that we really aren't all that different? I want to conclude this morning's message with an article written by Billy Graham. He was asked a question I believe a lot of people wonder about, including some very devoted Christians. I think it's very important, as the title of this morning's message says, to know the difference. So here's what Reverend Graham describes. And the question asked of him was this. He says, I've been studying the major religions of the world, but I'm puzzled about Christianity. What makes it different from the other religions? It seems different to me, but I can't figure out why. And this is what Reverend Graham said. The difference between, between the religions you've been studying and Christianity can summarize in two words, Jesus Christ. He is the center and foundation of the Christian faith, and he also is the reason why Christianity is different from all the other religions that people follow. Let me explain it this way. All the religions you've been studying have one thing in common. They're all searching for God, even if they don't call him God, or they think there may be many gods and goddesses. They do this in a multitude of ways, but they're all trying to find God and gain his favor by their sacrifices and good deeds. But Christianity is different. Instead of searching for God, God is searching for us. Instead of us reaching up to God, God is reaching down to us. This is why Jesus is so important, because he came down from heaven to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, and that is to bring us to God. God is perfect and holy, and we are separated from him by our sins. No matter how hard we try, we cannot erase the stain of sin by ourselves. But by his death and resurrection, Christ did this for us. And he goes on, he says, I sense that down inside you are searching for God, but God is also searching for you. By faith, turn to Jesus Christ and receive him into your life today. God's promises for you led to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God.
Friends, there's a difference. Believing in the way, the truth, and life changes everything. It makes you different. Do you know that difference? Have you experienced it for yourself? Don't you want to? Can we support you this morning by helping you understand the most important choice you could ever make? The one that makes all the difference for eternity. So please prayerfully consider that choice. And will you join me in prayer? Father God, you spell it out so simply. There's only one way, one truth, and one life. And God, we know who that is. And God, we study and we study and we try to learn by example how to be more and more like Jesus Christ. God, we know that you want nothing more than a personal relationship with us. And what a refreshing perspective to, n to not picture us chasing after you, but to picture you reaching down to us. If we just continue to turn towards and, and look towards you in all we do. And God, you know us. We're not perfect. We struggle. And it's not about doing more deeds or, or trying harder, but about trying again. When we get off the path, we step back on. When we get slightly distracted, we turn back towards. And God, the promise is that you were there. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, who became the embodiment of the word, who came to live a life that set us free, who became a living sacrifice so that we could have this relationship with you perfects us through him and does not tarnish you. God, as we approach this Easter season, help us to prepare our hearts and our spirits to look to the cross and look to you, to be grateful for all that you've done with us or to us, for us, not to, not to seek anything more than a relationship with you. And we'll be blessed in so many ways. Help us to remember when we choose you, when we choose to be more like your son, we're different. We're changed in a way that matters. God, as always, I want to lift up the service to you. I hope the words were encouraging and inspiring to all those who hear them. God, I thank you for this church and this building, the opportunity to gather here on Sundays, a place to come safely, to be warm and to worship, to have community with others, to seek you, and God, may you continue to promise to leave here with us. May we take you with us everywhere we go in every aspect of our life and then remain focused on you. Amen. Now, it's our tradition here at Golden Beach to celebrate the Holy Communion the first Sunday of every month, which would have been last Sunday. But with weather, we weren't here. But it's too important not to, not to share. And the way our communion works, as many know, is, is we celebrate an open communion. There's... Nothing special you have to do. There's no secret handshake or password to partake. This is more about you and God connecting. It has very little to do with the church. This is just a, a place where we're doing it today. So I want you to feel welcome to, to take part in it. And if you don't, if you want to sit quietly, I'm going to have a song from Hillsong Worship up, and it's going to have the words. Um, and just listen to the words, sing on them if you want. But uh, I want to set the mood, and we'll just take a few minutes now to, to really focus on that.